Welcome back to Hey on Track Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast, covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt. I am Chris, sitting here in the middle of Michigan right now. It's cold, it's rainy, it's miserable. Uh, it's kind of like the vibe around our club right now. Um, we're going to make a slight attempt to keep things a little bit positive today. Uh, just be aware there may be some foul language. If you've got a kid sitting around, uh, put the earmuffs on them. It, there's no, no, no soft takes in this one. Uh, my partner on this one, Garrett in Detroit, we are going to hit things hard right off the bat. Uh, before we get into it, ways to get in contact with the show. Of course, you can visit halfpod.com, uh, the newly updated site with our statistics zone, where I followed live today from work while I was in and out of meetings when I couldn't see the match. I got a couple of great reviews on, on that. Uh, the sports data from Sport Monks was updating in real time. Some pretty cool features on there and trends that I'm going to get into that make this one just a little bit uglier than we thought they were. Um, also on Instagram, Matt does a great job with that at Hey on Track Frankfurt and on X, formerly known as Twitter.com forward slash HEF pod. So my partner needs no introduction. Uh, the latest addition to the show. And uh, my partner down in the Mitten will be getting together this weekend uh, in downtown Detroit, east of downtown Lafayette Park at the DCFC Fieldhouse slash Clubhouse. Um, that's on East Lafayette, right across from Martin Luther King High School. Stop in, find me at the bar. I'll buy you a beer, maybe two. Um, yeah. Garrett, let's get right into this. We'll talk more about the upcoming weekend later, but there is there's just nowhere to go but dive right into the cold water. How you doing, buddy? You know, I'm doing good, but when it comes to football, um, I'll give the full reason why I feel this way, but I got four words to describe international football today. Fuck, shit, piss, bollocks. Well, we hit that expletive tag in the first one minute and 42 seconds. That's pretty good. Almost a record there. Ridgeway would be proud. <laughs> so here's the deal. Uh, I'm tracked at Saarbrücken in the round of 16 DFB Pokal. Uh, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. This was the side third division side that took out Bayern Munich in the first round of the tournament. And they never looked back. Um, it, I think there is an idea in my mind, like others, where they had to put it all into the Bayern match that going there was going to be difficult. But we could take the victory because this is the tournament we're always up for. We lose early or we go to the final. And at the halfway point of the tournament here, it was a, a pretty confident feeling. Hadn't played great, but also at the same time, we've been here before. And we're an experienced group. Um, I thought I thought we had veteran leadership. I thought we had people that had been here before. And the lineup actually reflected that. Um, backstop by Kevin Trapp. Uh, Philip Max, Pacho, Cock, and Tuta in front of him. Um, and, the, the, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole lineup. But we had Hasebe in the middle. Um, Marmouche up top. There is plenty of experience in this tournament. There's plenty of talent out there to go and at the least score a goal. Uh, but lest we come home with a goose egg, 2 0 in the defeat. Uh, let's talk about the lineup. Uh, no Jokic, thank God, uh, after his antics last week. Um, a young guy in the 18 who we're going to talk more about later. Um, but. Noel Futku, uh, celebrating his 21st birthday today, did nothing to make it a happy birthday and nothing to endear himself to the Eintracht faithful. We're going to get into that one later. Garrett, did you have questions about this lineup, specifically Hasebe, where he was, maybe instead of being on that back line, considering that's where we've had our biggest issues the last few weeks? You know, I think first, I think I like the idea of Hasebe in front of the mid uh, back before, because um, I think, you know, we didn't like before today, before today, we had the setback in Augsburg, you know, which ended 2-1, but could have been worse because, you know, we were 
just it took a long time for us to get going in that match, and I don't want to put that cold weather in as the reason for that. I think Augsburg were the better team. So for today, I like the idea of the defensive stability and Hasebe in front. Although the shape that we were told was going to be was a little bit different. I think we were told it was going to be a 4-2-3-1, but what it looked like, and even thought Mom made the changes during the match, looked like a 4-1-4-1. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so um, Toots has a right back in a back four. I don't think I've seen that before. Um, uh, Hasebe, you know, on there. And then Bembe, um, Larson, Chaibi, Max, and um, oh, Max was fullback. And so was Nkuku on the left. And then Marmush. I like the idea of the shape, but I think we were starting to – I was really doing a deep thought about this on the drive home tonight. And I think what hurt us, we're seeing this trend come back, I think that we started to see in the first couple of months of the season before we played Heidenheim. And that was the, we have like one tempo, if that makes sense. And moving the ball around. And the idea is through the patterns and the movement, we get an opportunity and break things down. The problem is it takes away, I think, some of the urgency that makes that helps us succeed this year, um, and I think I don't know if it was the shape for that, but we just felt it just felt like we were second best for a bit of that for pretty much most of that first half, even though I really was prompt. I did feel good about the shape in the lineup. Yeah, I, I thought it was an okay change. Um, it it was weighted more to fix the issues on the back end. I've been ranting about it for weeks. I went off on it on Twitter before the match, too, that the back line has been the worst part of this group in the last few weeks, and that really hadn't been the case. I thought Cock had come in and done a great job anchoring the center early on uh, and through their gelling phase, and they looked pretty good through October. Uh, November hit, and it was just a different group there. And I thought bringing Hasebe, like you mentioned, putting him in front of the back line, um, not the way I would have done it, but I see why they did it. Uh, my concern with the the four one uh, one four one four one, uh, it played a little bit more like his own defense in in basketball terms, you know, or in football terms, where you're leaving those gaps for passing and you're hoping that you're going to be able to close once the ball is there. The problem is Sarbrooken was moving the ball efficiently through those spaces. So we spent a lot of time chasing. Um, we did a good job recovering possession of the ball, uh, but we expended a whole ton of energy trying to do that. I mean, we ended up with 61% ball possession for the game. That skewed a little bit because we had long possessions of, uh, or long spells of possession, but not a lot of efficiency offensively moving that ball down the field it just felt to me like we expended a lot of energy trying to get the ball back and the creativity which has been waning recently once we got that ball back we just had no aggression with it and it's been a constant issue for this group that's gotten worse by the week that all right we got the ball now what do we do with it well, let's look around. Let's make a couple passes. There's no creativity. There's nobody going for that long ball. And I cannot believe I'm going to say this. I shouldn't say this. I'm going to hear it over and over offline once we're done here. I miss Daichi Kamada. I said it. Hi. I miss his creativity. I miss his long ball. I miss his willingness to take over at times. And just say, I'm going to do something here. I might stumble over my own feet and look like a dumbass, but I'm going to take the chance to do it. We don't have anyone on the pitch right now who's willing to take a chance with the ball at their foot. Counterpoint. Tell me I'm wrong. I, mi I, miss, I miss somebody from that recently left, but it's not Kamada. This is a match where I miss a Jesper Lindstrom or a Gibraltar. So. Because, Amen. Because 
what do those two bring that we did not bring in that first half? And then especially after we fell behind energy. So can sometimes be too much energy. Well, especially when paired with Sebastian Rode over the years, but he was someone that would be willing to get into those higher spaces and attack when needed, especially when he was on a confident run. Jesper Lidstrom was somebody that I'm going to take a shot you know, some, I may think for a minute, I may go for it. There's a chance this might wind up in the 15th row or maybe hit a fan in the face, but I'm going to try it. Um, yeah, that's something. Co- I'd rather see that little bit than what we saw in the first half. But I give credit. You know what I did like, and, uh, you know, before, because we did enough to start thinking that, hey, we're going to turn this around in the second half, that double sub at halftime. Um, we took yes. we took Dina and Bembe off. We took Philip Mass off, both of them because they got yellow cards in the first half. I didn't see him Bembe's. Max's was just, I don't know, he didn't need to grab there. I think it wasn't that much of a breakaway. Um, we put Aurelio Buta on. We put Nacho Ferry on, which I liked putting Nacho on in there. That's giving faith to him. And I think he was doing well, causing some issues. Buta was having good, and he had that great strike which hit off the crossbar. But we talk about a good moment, and then the Moody Diva comes out. And I'm not, I didn't look back to see what minute it was we fell behind. I saw we fell behind, and I'm like, okay, that's it. Granted, great strike, but. 64. You know, take it from here on that. Yeah. So. I agree with you about the second half subs. Um, the first half cards, they are what they are. They're part of the game. It, it didn't really affect, besides their ability to be real aggressive later on, uh, risking a second foul, which there wasn't a situation where I would have said go for it. Um, I don't think the, the yellows came into play that much. Um, I like the substitution. Uh, Bembe wasn't doing a lot. Buto was was a good addition there. Uh, but, you know, then things got a little bit questionable. Uh, we go down 1-0, 64th minute. Again, play in the box. I'm going to go back to the earlier one in the first half with the corner uh, that was disallowed because of the, the push-off that really didn't affect the player uh, that scored the goal. Um I didn't catch who it was that got pushed, but it, they really wouldn't have stopped the goal from being scored. But either way, that gets called back, and you think, okay, maybe the the calls are going to go our way, the bounces are going to go our way. But they weren't, and they didn't the rest of the match. Um, after that 64th-minute goal, we started chasing a little more. Um, and then a questionable change, in my opinion, uh, the birthday boy, Futku, um, coming on in the 77th and a matter of five minutes later, taking a red um, in one of the absolute most stupid play. Remember what Christian Jokic did last week? This might have one up that it's just a karate kick to the back of the player, the side. I don't care to watch it again. And that a little kick in the ass. Talk me through it. Literally just, I mean, 40 yards away from the play. What the hell are you thinking? I mean, Jakic should be returned to the team just to be like, hey, you're no longer the stupidest guy in the uniform right now. Like, I'm at a loss here. This is two weeks in a row. We're going to get into leadership in a a little bit here. But you took off Mario Goza for this kid. And I agree. Let's try something because Goza wasn't working. But you bring in a kid, this 21, who hasn't had experience in this kind of situation and then he goes out and does something like that. Who are we bringing into the 18? How do we, who do we trust here? I mean, you know, your Pokal life for all intent and purposes, our best track back into Europe next year was going through today's match. And we're subbing off, you know, the most experienced players on the pitch. Uh, guys like Philip Max, Mario Goza, um, Makoto Hasebe, Robin Koch, like, I get it. I'm not the coach. I'm, I'm just some guy that talks into a microphone so a dozen people can listen. But there's got to be something to it. B, 
because when we made these changes, there was still no fight. Uh, the advanced analytics here on the halfpod.com statistic zone, um, our attacking presence literally died, literally died in the 51st minute. We had what would be considered about 20% of a decent attack in the 84th minute. Um, but after the 51st minute, we had zero quality attacking opportunities. Uh, we had two corners for the entire match. In possession, we got manhandled for the better part of the middle third of the game. I mean, there's no effort in this group. There's no leadership. I want Kevin Trapp to put his boot up the ass of all four of those defenders and say, you're going to work inside the box. You're going to mark a man. You're going to be aggressive. You're going to block shots, or we're going to get rid of you. Because they, I don't know, take over. I, I don't know where to go with this one. We we, we are just, an awful group that is yep. regressing week by week. And I think the problem is, too, Futeu's moment. So both subs come on when we're 1-0 down. Because when I saw Larson was going to be off, when he wasn't in the lineup, that answers my question that he's going to be there starting him Saturday. Which, unfortunately, we got to fucking talk about, but we will. Um, so, Larson comes on. Fukeo comes on. The goal, the, was their second goal off of a corner that didn't get cleared? That, because, so... Both subs are unfortunately responsible for uh, errors. First off, Larson, who is normally one of our, for his young age, one of our most reliable, dare I say, someone we can trust to do the right thing usually, did not do the right thing in this situation. I turned my head for a minute and I look, I'm like, oh, wait, how did they get it? And then 2 0. I think Pacho could have cleared it, didn't. Um,. So that is 2-0, and then I'm like, should I shut this shit off and, like, you know, like, make sure I'm not go back to, like, what I'm doing in work? Or I'm just like, I'll just have the sound on, and then I look, I hear Fukeyu running off. I'm like, why is, I'm like, did he just get sent off? And then I look, and he literally did, it was, you know what it kind of reminds me was? Because you and I, are, we talk, you know, and even Brian knows this, we are kind of sickos for ice hockey here. Um <laughs> it's it's a dirty move I would have seen in like what what year did McSorley smash the stick over Brashear's head because that's kind of like, yeah that's kind of like what Fukeu did to the ass I think it was the ass if it was the lower back then that's even more dis- disgusting um, point being why do that uh, and again much like what we said about Yakich on Thursday night is. If it was something that if it was something that was said or done that warranted that type of action, you know damn well we would have heard about it right after the match. You would have heard about yeah. it in multiple languages. You would have seen it somebody like you know I think one of the most respected like an Ernst Mosh who you know I chatted with when I went over to Frankfurt years ago, or Derek Ray, or one of our other connections of people that we know, a fifty plus donor, or anybody like that that would have had a no into the game had heard of something that then said in Starbroken. But no, doesn't sound like that. Instead it says, happy birthday, I'm going to be a dumb fuck and get sent off when my team meet, when and ruin, completely take away whatever chance that this team gets. And, yeah. and that, you know, the, the tactical part of that change too, when you look at what was left on the bench with Ansgar Knauf and Paxton Aronson, um, those are two guys who have, who have shown a lot more promise than some guy I had never heard of before the 18 came out today. And that's I what I kind of questioned you a little bit. I knew him bit. because he's been lighting it up in regional Liga. Um, I, I'm kind of exaggerating. I mean, I know who he was, but as far as what he could bring to the table for this group, we've seen what Ansgar Canal can do. We've seen Paxton Aronson and Spurts. Uh, we really want to give this guy his first look here. It just, to me, it didn't look like a team that was going for a win. And and right. that's going to lead into the point. Um, a lot of the Discord chatter, uh, which, by the way, if you're still listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> if you want to join the Discord chatter and, and the uh, therapy from this hellhole of a club right now, um, 
join the live Discord. Uh, the link is at halfpod.com. How but often do I swear the things- during games lately? <laughs> Too much. <laughs> you know, one of the Very things true. being discussed right now is how do we feel about Dino's leadership for this group? Uh, is his message getting through? Are, is everyone on the same page here? Uh, John on Discord says the team has just been objectively bad since the last international break. There's no creativity on offense. The defense has slipped and looked extremely sloppy in the box, and the players just don't have a fighting mentality. I don't know what what the fix is, but I don't think this one is going to come before the winter pause. And that's where I'm at. There's problems at the front, there's problems in the middle, and there's problems at the back. And that includes Kevin Trapp. Not today, but recently. So right. when your best players, your most experienced players, are struggling mentally, physically, where are we as a group? I'm not sure Dino is the right guy to to send this message now. Uh, we were all head over heels for him during the month of October when things were swinging good. Garrett, I'm not ready to, you know, give him the pink slip yet, but is the seat getting hotter? You know, are we looking at a winter pause interim situation? Um, well, I got how long is the leash for Dino? I got an idea here because what I have up on my, on in front of my computer right now is, this is from the um, this is English translation from Eintracht's website, and these are post match thoughts. Uh, Marcus Krosha, Dino Topmoller, and Timu Harden. So let's. I have an idea. Let me read these off because I want to see if how we are feeling with these reactions. If this further gives the idea that hey, we trust this guy. This is the uh, the guy in here, and this is just a rough patch, or. Um, we're in trouble. So I'll start off with Krosha because he's the big, you know, the decision maker of the decision makers. We're really angry because we were actually prepared for this game. We knew that it would be intense, that the pitch was bad, and that they would mainly come from set pieces and long balls. We had no solutions going forward today, and we deserve to lose. That's not at all what we want to do in terms of football. It's a difficult phase for us at the moment, but you always have to win your duels whether against the third division team or a Bundesliga team. In games like this, we have to come into play through duels when there is little we can do in terms of play. Of course, we are brutally disappointed. We were in the final a few months ago and wanted to go there again. So that's from sport director Marcus Krosha. Hold on. Time out. Time out. He said we were actually prepared for this one. That's and then he goes on to blame the quality of the pitch. That is such a loser mentality right there to say we were actually prepared. What are you for every other game? And like then we, we somehow, I, yeah. I don't know. To me, that's just, we're, we're, we're trying to come up with answers when we have none blaming the pitch. Both teams had to play on it. Next one. I mean, it just, it's excuses these, right now. It reminds us of our Detroit City season we just had last year in the post-match comments we had after a bad beatdown when I was shocked that they did post-match videos for that. I've seen this before. Uh, All right, Dino time. Now let's see how you're reacting after this. We had big plans and definitely wanted to, I think the translation was to winter in the DFB Cup, so I think it was play DFB Cup in the winter after the break is what I think that translation means. Saarbrücken did well and got through a lot of set pieces and duels. That's how we conceded the first goal, which would have simply defended away a few weeks ago. Saarbrücken had to do relatively little to make it 1-0. It was clear that whichever team took the lead would have an extreme advantage. Nevertheless, we have to do better moving forward. When Aurelio Buda had a chance, we managed to play into the dangerous area once, but overall it wasn't good enough. Before the 0-2, Hugo Larson played an unfortunate ball into the opponent's feet. And no blame for the boy who played almost every game at the age of 19 in signal fatigue. Physically, we are running on the last groove. The freshness is missing, perhaps also in the head. Normally, Villian Pacho simply defends the thing away before the 0-1 score. We have to accept that and try to flip the switch as quickly as possible. An extremely difficult Bundesliga game against FC Bayern Munich awaits on Saturday. We have to shake ourselves up and try to do better. Do you want the opinion now on this, or do you want it to go after I read Tim Hardens? 
I got an opinion on this one. Uh, You're coming off an international, a recent international break. You're rotating through the same three or four guys off the bench. You're not developing any young talent. You just keep throwing the same ones out there that don't seem to be working. It's your problem to figure out. Work with your sporting director. Work with your other technical staff. And figure out a way to maximize the potential of these guys. It's it's not my job to do. It's your job. That's what you're paid to do. So instead of saying no fault to guys, maybe throw some fault at yourself for not preparing this team better. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Now, sports director Tim Mahardon is definitely the most blunt out of the three here. Um, we completely deserve to lose. I mean, yeah, fucking agree with you. Brilliant. I don't know if the result or the way hurts more. We missed a huge opportunity. The basic topics that you need in football to be able to play successfully and well are largely missing. Then it becomes extremely difficult to create chances. We knew that we would have to work a lot defensively and that we would have to face a lot of duels. Everyone is dejected. Like the two of us here, I don't know, however many miles away. Timu Hardon, you are my favorite out of the three as far as the responses. Chris, do you feel the same way? I'm going to speak through stats for a minute. Um, we generated two corners. Mm-hmm. Two. Two corners, and we passed the ball at 77%. And all due respect to Sarbroken, uh, they're a third division squad that has beat two first division teams, including the reigning champions, 11 times over. They deserve the victory today. They're the better team. They'd beat us nine days out of 10. With all due respect to them, Eintracht Frankfurt should not be losing to third division sides in the Pokal. It's not supposed to happen because you're supposed to be better prepared. Now, yes, this is a unique competition. And the lower seeds, look at them. They're running through this tournament. Uh, There's only a handful left at this point. I got that. I understand that point. It's not about talking them down. They deserved every bit of it. But we have done absolutely nothing week after week to correct the problems with this group. And that's where I'm at with it. It's not that today was a problem. It's that three weeks ago was a problem. Two weeks ago was a problem. Last week was a problem. It is a recurring problem that cannot be fixed just by saying, hey, rah, rah, we got to be better. That's not good enough for me. I don't know if that answered your question, but it felt good to get that out. No, it's good because this, like I said, I said this on Thursday after Pauk. This is therapy that we need to talk. We need to talk. Whether even though I was sarcastic, like, do we really have to do this tonight? Um, It's good (laughs) to do this because, you know, it's admitted. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on with over there. Because they were rolling until Huyaku. Something happened. Did something happen in Helsinki when we won 1 0? Or was the fact that, you know, we made a couple tweaks early on? Was Robin Koch being out for a couple weeks affect things? I think the the Ellis scary thing is now a major, major, major concern because. Huge. We have to be concerned about what we do at the break and here's the problem with that yeah it was nil nil at palk when he got hurt and then we and then we leak in two goals and yak it dumb shit happens then augsburg happens this isn't this isn't in our programming for tonight it will be soon um but i you know you bring it to a good point here with the scary injury and other issues we have we're at a dangerous point right now where it's not worth spending a lot I mean, we might have to spend, but we're also not far enough, you know, away from safety where we we can just ride things out either. We're in a very precarious position right now, and we're going from playing in three competitions to now two-ish, and no direct path to Europe anymore. And we have to be very careful what we do because this can tailspin, and these are fragile minds. We've seen it. This is not a tough, resilient group. Um, the flashes we saw earlier in the year, I don't think they're there. Um, we got to move on. I'm going to bring up a question for you that I, 
I teased you with off air. Um, maybe just because I like to watch your miserable teams along with you. We we see eye to eye on way too many sports teams. I got a little prop bet scenario for you. Um, two part. First part are either of your European clubs on track Frankfurt or Crystal Palace going to win a game in the remainder of the calendar year? Um, <laughs> let me give you a minus for those that aren't English Premier League watchers. I'm going to give you a background on Crystal Palace current situation right now, because I think it is very important to talk about briefly. Roy Hodgson, 76 year old manager comes back for a year. Your best player, Wilfred Zaha, goes on the free to Galar Tasseray. You don't you bring in a young Brazilian kid who had a back injury before him and he's only played a manageable amount of minutes. You've had double digit amount of figures with hamstring injuries, and you've done nothing to strengthen and boost your roster. You're playing with a 34-year-old right back. Um, games against bottom teams, Everton, Luton, uh, Bournemouth today, uh, and there we got a one point out of those. Um, people are leaving the stands at Selhurst Park, which is normally, as you know, a voiceful cauldron. Um, Palace's next matchups to round up the year. Liverpool at home on Saturday. Manchester City away the following week. Um, Brighton, middle of the week. <laughs> Chelsea away. Brentford at home. No, Palace are not going to win before the end of this year unless they make a change, but I don't know if it's warranted. <laughs> um, Frankfurt. Now, look at look at the Frankfurt schedule going forward. You go ahead, read them off. Frankfurt the are, end of the year. Frankfurt have lost. Um, let's be honest. Frankfurt having one in five, lost their last four. Let's be honest. They could have probably lost in Brandon. They were lucky for that 10-minute spurt. Um, a reminder of our first Detroit watch party, Chris. Home to Bayern Munich on Saturday. 5-1. That was five the end one. of Kovac. Yeah, and then we watched them lose to Liega four days later. And they didn't win again until Arsenal away on Thanksgiving night. Um, so, and then – Aberdeen away in Europa, which is a throwaway game. Now that we know that we're going to be playing in February, but Aberdeen, I think we could beat Aberdeen. Um, we then go away to Bayer Leverkusen, which is the fixture I dread most in the entire Bundesliga year, and I think you do too. That's going to be a loss. Um, home to Borussia Mönchengladbach, the last match before the break, I believe. And so. Do Frank either Eagle clubs win a match before the end of the calendar year? Frankfurt, yes. Palace, hell no. So I got one more. Will Eintracht Frankfurt or your beloved Detroit Pistons, who have lost 18 in a row, win more games before the end of 2023? I still think Frankfurt I wins. I told you more it games. wasn't going to be a fun podcast tonight. No. Um, Frankfurt are going to win. I, because I think Frankfurt will beat Aberdeen. Um, if we don't beat Aberdeen, something's wrong considerably and make the change come December 21. Um, Frankfurt, yeah. The Pistons have lost 18 games in a row. The Pistons might not win a game until <laughs> after my birthday at the end of January. For fuck's sake. Who knows? They're 2-19. We've gone off the rails. We're, <laughs> we're way off the rails here. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Let's briefly go around the DFP Poke Hall because there have been some fun matches going on out there and we've been too um, too frustrated to really get into it. We're not moving on, but a lot of deserving teams are. Uh, we'll go through them real quick here. Advancing to the round of eight, Dusseldorf, St. Pauli, um, Saarbrücken, as we discussed. A real thrilling one between Hertha and Hamburg. 5-3 uh, Hertha and penalty kicks. Uh, Kaiser Slaughter and doing me a favor, beating Nuremberg, Gladbach over Wolfsburg, Leverkusen, and Stuttgart beat Dortmund. So Stuttgart, Leverkusen, Gladbach, Kaiser Slaughter, Dusseldorf, St. Pauli, Saarbrücken, and Hertha Berlin in the quarterfinals. Um, interesting, not a lot of, of division, first division sides remaining. Um, anyone in particular you see as a favorite? Obviously, I think Leverkusen is the best team in Germany right now. Anyone surprising you that might step up and have something to say about that? I would need to see the draw. Uh, my guess is is there's hope that Leverkusen and Stuttgart can avoid each other until 
closer to semis or the finals. Um, St. Paulier tops in um, Survival Bundesliga. So they look strong today. Yeah, and they, I mean, they did have a minor setback in the Hamburg Derby this week, and they had a 2-0, and they blew it, and that was a 2-2 to yeah. Hamburg, who lost to Hertha. I would say there's a this this is the year, if any, where you might see a spite the Buddha sleep aside lift the Pokal, but it all depends on how the matchups go, because we got, what, three top division sides left? Stuttgart, Leverkusen, Mujagabak, you said? Um, yeah. So... If one of if the two if say two Bundesliga sides draw each other in the quarters of the semifinals, then the law of, potential law of averages states that we might have a um, Bundesliga versus five Bundesliga final. Um, and I would go. I would basically take a look at the five Bundesliga table, and I mean, I mean, St. Pauli are tops. Kaiser Slaughter are in the mix, I believe, if I recall correctly. Dusseldorf are near there too, so I mean they're strong sides, and I really think um, for as much issues that I know my St. Pauli contingent here are having, based off of the St. Pauli's cl- what the club stances that are going on with the situations going on in the world, this is a tough situation. This is weird for them because the club is having maybe their best run in years, and uh, to me are going to get promoted. Um, I think this is a year where they might. If they don't get to the final in Berlin, I can see them at least getting to the semis. I agree. So, Garrett, um, we're going to take a break because I'm emotionally exhausted and I just, we got to transition. There, there's so much negativity here. We're going to bring up something positive in a couple minutes. Um, but first, what are we, what are we drinking? What are we refreshing ourselves with? I was talking about my new espresso machine earlier. Uh, what what have you been drinking this week? I currently have a nice cup of hot black tea just in there. On there, I put the kettle on um, just before hitting recording. It's a nice, you know, I had a uh, unsweetened like tea, tea with, yeah, um, you know, because co- if I drink coffee, I'll be up for the next four hours. Um, <laughs> And whereas I, you know, I had a thing of unsweetened tea earlier with the Popeyes that I picked up because ordering Popeyes from your app is great because you get offers and it's so dope. And that really was like comfort <laughs> food. We deserve comfort food after the shit we You need all the comfort food. you can get right now. Uh, that's um, why I chose my beverage of choice here. The Atwater Brewery Vanilla Java Porter. Um, I downed a homemade pumpkin spice latte at about nine o'clock tonight. So I'm calming that down with the vanilla Java Porter from Atwater. uh, One of my absolute favorites from the city of Detroit um, and a great brewery. A couple of great locations are out in Grand Rapids now, too. Uh, Definitely one of my go to's. But yeah, uh, sometimes we drink in celebration. Sometimes we drink in sorrow. Today is more the latter. Uh, but wherever you drink time, Trap Frankfurt, we thank you for listening. We'll be back with segment two. Prost. Welcome back, segment two, Hey on Track Frankfurt podcast, episode 294. Uh, Garrett, we're going to transition just a little bit here because it's been doom and gloom. Let's talk about the bright side of life this week, the Frauener back. It's been just a, a lot of impatient waiting. Um, we, you know, had a, had a rough one the last time out. Um, it kind of sucked that that match had to lead into the break. Uh, the Champions League loss to Barcelona, who is the greatest women's side in Europe at the moment. Uh, for those that are not aware, Barcelona is just steamrolling through everyone the last couple of years. And um, I was actually stuck in the in the tunnel going from Detroit, driving south to Canada. And Eintracht scores the go-ahead goal in that one. And you all are texting me, I can't believe this, I can't believe this, so... Naturally, I turned my phone on in the customs line and 
have it blaring and they're like, can you turn that down? And it became a thing, but you know, um, I thought I'm not a moral victories person at all. Actually, I hate moral victories. Um, Warranted in this case though. This one is a little bit different because the three, one scoreline is not indicative of just how hard the women fought against a team that outmatched them in every regard. Uh, you know, not rehashing the entire match again, but they were outplayed by a team that should have outplayed them twice as well as they did. And I thought it was the kind of moral victory that it would have been nice to play the following week. Uh, I kind of sucked having that break in between, but it is what it is. Uh, So they're back to action this week. um, Sunday, Sunday morning here in the States, eight o'clock Eastern time, 2 p.m., in Central Europe against Hoffenheim. That's at home. Nice to be back in the friendly confines. Uh, Hoffenheim had a hot start, kind of surprised a lot of people, myself included. But they have lost two of the last three in the league. They beat RB Leipzig in the Pokal round of 16. Um, Eintracht is unbeaten in the last five in the league uh, with three wins in that in that spell. Uh, the round of 16 Pokal match is not till January because of the complexity of the champions league schedule so that's something that's out there um but right now we're going to stick with league play for a little while um it's going to be interesting hoffenheim is ahead of us in the table sitting third uh with 14 points we're also on 14 points uh but behind on goal differential and uh sgs Essen in the middle at fourth but that that's not going to stand they don't score enough goals I'm sorry. They don't score. They don't score enough goals to keep up with the top of the table. Um, my thing in this one is that I think there's a positive vibe going around the way they came out of Barcelona match. Uh, getting back into league play, it's about focusing on Germany. Uh, the upcoming schedule is going to be a little bit different. Uh, match against Hoffenheim. And then right back into Champions League with a road trip to Benfica on Wednesday and then Freiburg on Saturday on the road. So quite a few travels coming up here in the next six days, but um, that's the way it works. You qualified for Europe. Uh, As far as the Champions League table in Group A, uh, the Frauen are second in the group behind Barcelona after two match days. Obviously, the victory over Rosengard. Uh, so a victory over Benfica here would really create some space in the table. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. Yep. At the halfway point in the group, being in second, it would not be a shame at all. Yeah, and I think I honestly think the next two games with Benfica decide. Um, you know, if you if we win both or get four points out of six, we're coming out of that group. Um, that's how I feel about that, and I think. You know, it's one of those things where you saw, like, I watched the highlight video when I got home that night after the uh, Brown Barcelona because I was seeing family up in, uh, car- uh, just outside of Lexington. So that team went for it. And I think what you're seeing is the more, and because I think this is a really pivotal year in the Frauen as far as the identity of this club and people learning about this club. This is year four since the merger. And you're seeing what what was the sayings I think I've told you about this, Chris? With this group, how you get people to come people come to these games is is the performances that you're doing the more and more and more and more and more because people are learning more and more about it and they're like, okay, this is a badass squad that I need to make time to see. Um, and when I think about right now, September when we played Juventus, that had what six thousand in the stands. If that was correctly, um, 16,100 in the stands against Barcelona, um, which, you know, we want it to be more, but I also look at where it, where it, it, that was versus what it was two months before and know that it can only continue to get better as this squad continues to make the strides that it's doing. Um, Laura Fragan, I think, had a bit of an injury knock um, during international duty and a show she came back to the squad um, late last week. So I think that will be interesting to see if there's going to be any issues ahead of the Hoffenheim match. Um, I do think that it is 
this this team is going to be up for it um, come Sunday because you know you were talking about it, Chris. Three teams level on points. Um, Essen have to play Freiburg, I believe, if I recall correctly on that. So I think you can take. I think you can get Hoffenheim. You can take them. Um, you know this team's going to be wanting to go for it. I think. Um, that Barcelona game was important for many things on there because I feel like I look at it in this way: like Lara Prajnikar basically played the club that she idolized because I think Ronaldinho was one of the big things that got her into playing soccer. I watched like yeah. her little video she did. So to have those type of moments and be toe to toe, because if you look at it, Barcelona is not just the best club team in Europe. How many people in that Barcelona squad were in that Spain side that won the Women's World Cup? Uh, that has maybe been the fastest growing international women's side when you look at especially when they think they shot out of nowhere in 19 and probably were the better side in that round of 16 match against our women in France to now win the Women's World Cup. So Barcelona's success when you connect those two does, it makes sense. Um, but I feel very, very good that we are making incredible strides. Um, so let's, uh, may those strides continue. I don't know if I would say incredible strides because there was a point, I mean, looking back in the league plays, sitting at fifth in the table right now, I mean, third on points, I shouldn't complain that much. But my goal for this year was top two, and it didn't look like we made the offseason investment to improve from the third place finish. So I was like, okay, if we finish third, I'll be happy with that. But while we're there on points right now, we've seen us leave some really bad points on the table. And are on the pitch, I mean. And that's the one that kills me. When you have a chance to take points and you lose a late lead or you miss an open shot late that would give you a lead and turn a, a one-point draw or a zero-point loss into a, a one-point draw or a three-point victory. And it seems like, like Nico's kind of calmed things down a bit because when I was, you know, questioning him and – questioning the direction a few weeks ago, uh, everything is kind of calm since then. And I guess that's just the way the Moody Diva works on both sides of, of the sport here and on both the men's and women's side. Um, that Diva always rears her, her damn head. Um, but I'm on the high with this group right now. I saw a fight from them against Barcelona that I really think they're going to take forward with them. But this is a prove it to me kind of match. Uh, it would be very easy to overlook Hoffenheim this weekend. And if they do that, well, then their season is pretty much over. The ability to compete for third, because you would essentially fall down to six or below, depending on what happens with Leverkusen. Um, I have a lot of concerns about the direction. If we cannot pull off a must-win match to keep us in European contention right here. So there's a lot riding on this. This would be match day nine of 2021, uh, 22. So there's a lot riding on this, but we can't look at it like that. You know, in coach speak, you got to look at it one game at a time, right? So uh, you got a prediction on, on the Frauen match here against Hoffenheim? You know, I would say I feel good about this one. Um, I'm looking to see right now if that is going to be on – uh, Dazon's YouTube page. Let me take a look here. Um, I feel like it's going to be. It is. So, um, Dazon, Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern, uh, YouTube, um, Dazon Women's Football account. I think, Great. um, Frauen are going to be up for it. Um, three points to the Frauen. No clean sheet because it's Frankfurt. It's our dear, dear D. Adler. Um, it's never easy. 2-1. If they get more than that, great. If they get a clean sheet, even better. Um, you know, Hoffenheim are proven why they are a solid side, but I think we're going to be better on Sunday. Yeah, I think what you brought up earlier about Prashnikar, uh, or I'm sorry, not Prashnikar, uh, Frogging, coming back a bit and beat up. Uh, it might take a little bit for her to get back into the swing, uh, but I thought she was trending in the right direction, obviously, before the international break. So hopefully we can work her in in a way that, that keeps her physically fit for the long run. 
let's not force her in there in a situation where she's not ready or up for it. Um, I'm with you. I think it's a two, one victory, maybe eke it out. Um, but this is one we should win. I'm not too concerned about Hoffenheim, uh, but we got to score some goals. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. Hoffenheim scored 23 goals through eight league games. We're at 15. So they certainly know how to put them away. Uh, it might be one of those Stina Johansson kind of games where she's got to bail us out. But, you know, that's okay if that's what it comes down to, anything to get three points. So, who's, who's and on Saturday, um, I was hoping you weren't going to ask that. Uh, I'm going to go with Nicole Anyomi and give me a Prashnikar finish. You know, we're, we're a customer kind of setting it up and getting things going. She's going to finish one off. So, Anyomi and Prashnikar. I'm going to go... Anyomi's a hot hand right now. Um, I'm going to go Reutler and Anyomi. All right. There we go. 2-1, two, 2-1 one, two, one across the board. Uh, again, 8 o'clock Eastern time here in the States, 2 p.m. Central European time. That will be on YouTube. We'll put all the links out there so you can tune in. Um... Now back to the men's side. Uh, match coming up here as we go to the other tab in the window. Let's take a look around the Bundesliga real quick as we get back into league play. Um, at the top of the table, as it's been almost all year, uh, the only team that I've accurately predicted so far, Bayer Leverkusen, at the top of the table, 35 points. Bayern Munich second on 32, followed by Stuttgart at 30. And running out top four is the Sugar Drink with 26 points. At the bottom, uh, Union Berlin, they're pretty much dead in the water right now. Seven points. Uh, Mines with eight and Darmstadt with nine. <laughs> That's interesting because an Union, you know, victory is somewhere along the line. And all of a sudden they're talking about safety. The bottom of that table, the bottom four or five teams are really, really bad. Uh, the goal differentials are just extraordinary. The lack of ability to put goals up is almost as bad as us, actually. Uh, so I can't talk too much trash, but, you know, it'd be nice to see mine struggle a little bit. Darmstadt struggle a little bit. Um, let's look at Frankfurt sitting at seventh right now, uh, right outside of those European spots, 18 points. We're trying to chase down Hoffenheim, who's sitting on 20. Dortmund at 25 and 5th is a little bit out of hand right now. Let's focus on what we can control, and that's jumping up to 6. Um, with the international break coming up and the opportunity to reassess where we are, we are desperately trying to get to the end of this campaign, or the end of this calendar month. Am I wrong in that assessment, Garrett? Let's just limit the damage and get to the break. I think so, because this reminds me a lot, has the feeling of the end of the 2019-2020 campaign where we beat Bayern. We beat St. Pauli in the Pokal on Halloween. What was the night before Halloween? There we go. Um, we beat Bayern 5-1, to one, and then our next win was Arsenal in Europa League at um, the Emirates, and then we didn't win again until January when the season restarted. Um, yeah, you know, you kind of read it off earlier, uh, the list of what we have coming up against Bayern and then Aberdeen in Europa Conference League play, Leverkusen and Gladbach. None of those, maybe Aberdeen might be the easiest of the bunch, um, but all of those league matches, those are three very difficult ones to play. And, you know, Gladbach sitting there at 10th, that's not a mid-table team. They're two points behind us. Uh, that could swing in an instant. So, And they're starting to heat I'm up. I'm a little now. bit – go ahead. I was going to say Gladbach are starting to heat up now a little bit. They have, they've seemed to sort yeah. out their kinks that they were having issues with early on. Play has been doing well. Um, and, you know, like I also look at behind us, like the team that just beat us on Sunday – are un now unbeaten in the six yep. games with the new manager, and they're yeah, up for Augsburg it. looks fantastic. So I think another team, too, and what might help us out this week is um, Hoffenheim start things off this week. 
They are taking on VFL Balkum, who I predicted would win. I wouldn't be surprised to be a seal win. They did the job. Um, they're getting up in the table. They're starting to be up for it. They might cause some damage because most of Hoffenheim's wins this year have been on the road, not in Sinsheim. So if Bauckham and, Gun and our dear boy, Gonzalo Paciencia, you know, get three points, and we do what I think right now is unthinkable, but it's Frankfurt, so it's in the cards. Um, we could be sixth at weekend's end. So let's get right into this one. On track Frankfurt, Bayern Munich on the weekend. Uh, Google Analytics gives us a 12% chance at victory, a 72% chance at a loss, and a 16% chance at a draw. Garrett, are you saying there's a chance? I'm saying there is a chance, but there's a lot of things that need that we need to do better than what we did today uh, <laughs> to have that chance. I, you know, I'm an analytics guy. Uh, I like numbers. I live my whole professional life off of the ability to take video and turn it into numbers that make sense. And there is not one important metric on any of our advanced analytic tools and models here that show Eintracht being a better side. Actually, the only one, the only measurable statistic out of the 37 that I'm looking at side by side is our ability to regain the ball, you know, but that's because Bayern just doesn't give the ball up very often. So I don't think we're going to do it. I think if you look at um, their ability to to maintain possession over us, uh, goals per 90 minutes in league play, Bayern's averaging 3.6 and we're averaging 1.5 per 90 minutes played in the league. Um, that's concerning, especially when you consider that our back end has been, I mean, a dumpster fire would be a step up from where they've been the last few matches here. Uh, aerial duels is another point where they're 10% better than us and, um, shots on target. Uh, their shots on goal number is 168 through league play. So far we're sitting on 99. Uh, they generate opportunities and when they generate one shot, it generally leads to two or three because the concept at Bayern Munich is the more you shoot, the more you score. And the more you put the ball on the net, the more crazy shit can happen. And if you look at our play in the box recently, I am really, really concerned about getting run out of our own building. Um, yeah. I'm going to get more on that one in a minute. But what are your thoughts here, early impressions? There's another key thing that we need to talk about. Um, everybody played last weekend in the Bundesliga except two teams. Bayern Munich and yeah. Union Berlin because Munich got they bumped. got snowed out. They got snowed out, and Bayern was knocked out of the cup by the team that also knocked us out of the poke of the cup tonight. So we. So have is there played. anything we can take from that in a positive way, where maybe they're they're a little, you know, just couch potatoes kind of. I think they're down and out, but they're high end professionals too. One, they're one thing that we can take note of. And I don't know if Bry dropped this set to you like he did me. Bayern drew their last match with Copenhagen at home. Um, the last couple of years, Bayern went six for six in Champions League group play. They're not doing that this year. And I think that is, you know, another thing where they can get money in the bank and with that bonus. So is that something that can you know, rattle them a little bit because now they also know they, with Leverkusen drawing with Dortmund last week, when Bayern level up, if they say win that game in hand or whatever, with that goal difference, they then would jump Leverkusen in the table until both teams meet again later in the year. So I think there's occasionally those moments where when they know they can achieve something, there is a little bit of that pressure slash other like outwarding factor. But then there's also 
historical uh, fixtures that don't work in certain clubs' favors. We always talked about whenever we travel to Leverkusen, it doesn't matter where either team's at the table. We go to Leverkusen, we're going to get our heads kicked in. Um, Bayern traveling to Frankfurt in the Waldstadion can be an interesting one when you're Bayern Munich. Um, not last year when the season opened up because we were full of uh, um, nerves in that and lost 6-1. But other years, um, we've seen them the first time, like I said, Chris and I met up at a watch party, 5-1. Um, the 2020-21 year, 3-2 um, win. We were 3-0 up on them and we had to like defend for dear life near the end, but we hung on. Um, other years when we weren't even up for it and we were uh, battling relegation and if Byron won a title, we still won that fixture. Um, so we might have that. Um, and I think the crowd's going to be up for it. But are the lads going to be up for it? You know, I, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that they have a little bit of pride, that they have a little bit of fight. I don't think they have enough fight for what they're in for here against a top of the table club near the top of the table club. Um, just the head to heads in recent times um, since our two, one victory in 21, we lost zero one, one six, and then the one, one tie um, earlier in the year. But it's just, this isn't a mentally tough side. We haven't seen any part of this group recently it says mentally tough, which blows my mind because six weeks ago we were sitting here talking praise about how resilient this group was and Dino's messaging is really working for them. All that shit has gone out the window at this point. Uh, the lack of discipline, the lack of, of you know, real thoughtful play on the pitch, the way you react to adversity is just not giving me any confidence that this team can handle, handle the big stage. Um, my concerns, I think, are going to be validated with a 3 to nil defeat against Bayern Munich this Saturday. Um, Garrett, what are your predictions? I can see it definitely going in a three or worse. Um, however, I try Am to... Am I being generous at 3 nil? You might be. Um, I don't usually go and pick loss. Um... This is a tough one. Um, I'm going to say, I'm, in good faith, I'm going to say 1-1. However, I will not be surprised because I have, I have to at least keep the smallest bit of hope with this club, even though, they, even though both Frankfurt and Palace kicked me in the nuts today. Um, but I hope it's 1-1. I won't be surprised if it's 0-3 or worse. You know, when it comes down to it, at least we have our hockey team, right? Oh, my goodness. That's really all we have right now. That's the only good thing we have going right now. Hold on. Not the only good thing. How dare you? Uh, Well, we got a football team, too, but nobody else believes in that. Um, although, well, let me see how we feel about that after the Bears on Sunday, because I think, like... Anyway, we're, yeah. we're, we're low on time here. No, no one wants to hear that. But, you know what, if they do want to hear that, Garrett, tell us where they can talk to you about that on Twitter and other places. All right, you can find me uh Twitter, Instagram, Discord, GM Comats, um, Facebook, Garrett Comats. Um, I'm Chad Frank from Detroit. SKA Diadler at Detroit SKA. Chris mentioned it. Detroit City Fed House, aka Detroit City Clubhouse, the bar upstairs. This is where we're going to be this coming Saturday for Frankfurt Bayern Munich. Doors open at 9, matches at 9.30. Um, rota- great uh, great tap for all those interested. Coffee always on. Uh, great menu. Great they brunch. Keep, great brunch. They keep adding to it. They keep tweaking around with it. Um, a solid place in there. I'm going to give you a heads up lately. It is going to be a packed place because um, so be wary when you get in there. Parking might be a bit tight because on one field you have soccer tots going on, um, which is their program that they have for like young people, young families on one and then um, Southwest uh, Kids League in the other. So 
Chris, it's like what it was before pandemic. It is wild. I can't uh, wait. Can't wait yeah. to be back there. It's been a while. And if you're there, um, there's a very good chance you might, um, although I believe the new gap is back traveling to California, there's a chance you might see some staff or players there. So, um, you know, over there or any of my dear 451 groups. So what's up, guys? And, of course, uh, if you're having a watch party for this match this weekend or any watch party, let us know. Uh, we'll promote it on our social media feeds. Uh, we've got a great map at halfpod.com for listener-approved watering holes. If you've got a spot that you like to watch Frankfurt or other Bundesliga matches, let us know. Uh, we've got a submission form on there so we can add your watering hole to our listener-approved map. And, of course, you can follow the show, halfpod.com. Uh, all of our links to the other socials are there. I am Chris uh, in the, I'm not in Detroit anymore. Uh, I'm in the middle of the mitten. I, I'm having a hard time remembering where I'm at at any given hour of the day. Uh, but you can reach me on all the socials, Peloton, Instagram, Discord, um, at C in the D313. And we thank you for listening to another great episode of Hey on Track Frankfurt podcast as we get closer to episode 300. Shout out to Nathan for dealing with us every single week as we throw him audio and ask him to clean it up and make us not sound so bad. We appreciate everything he does. We appreciate the artists for lending their music to our show as well. And we appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week. Cheers. You need all the comfort you can get right now. Fuck's sake, who knows? Hey, I'm trying to find you for a la 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 la